Two for two. Uh, two. for blue. Ooh. Oh, is it go back space? Lost in mountains. Go back one. Yay, Mike, you got to go back one. Red. All right, so now you had to roll a four until a two is spun. One, two. Yep. These rolls are great. This is the worst thing I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Witch Game First, where we explore the hilariously huge world of board games. Did we find any hidden treasures you've been missing out on? Let's find out. First up this week, we persuade our allies to join our underwater kitty kingdom in Catlantis. Next, we step right up and usher the ladies and gentlemen through our attractions in the Grand Carnival. And lastly, we rush to taxi, take off, and travel round trip in Jet Race. I'm your host, Celeste Angelis, here with my decades-long gaming buddies, Evan Bernstein. Hello, everyone. Ed Povolitis. Hey, guys. Good time for a game. And Mike Grenier. Our first game up this week is Catlantis, designed by Prospero Hall, published by Ravensburger in 2019. Number of players, two to four, ages eight and up. Playtime, 30 minutes. Okay, Mikey, tell us what's in this adorable box. <laughs> The cover of the box takes us beneath the blue ocean to a kingdom of cuddly, content kitties crossed with codfish cruising among the coral. <laughs> well played. Thank you, thank you. When we dive deeper, we find four Mercat figures, 12 offering tokens, five Fur Order cards, five Finn Family cards, 74 Catlantis cards, and four reference cards. And that's what's in the box. Well, before we ruin the furniture clawing our way through this review, Evan, tell us how it's played. Catlantis is a set collection game in which players are mercat nobles, <laughs> vying for the best treasures and correct card combinations to score the highest amount of victory points. Each player is assigned a fur order and fin family. This information is secret. Do not share it with the other players. Shh. You'll be trying to collect matching cards to your order and your family. But if the other players start to realize what you're aiming for, they're going to try to stop you. There are four community cards face up. On your turn, you make an offering to only one of the other players. Choose two of the four community cards, and the player to whom you made the offering will choose one of those two cards. The remaining card becomes yours. Then refresh the community cards with two new cards from the deck, and it becomes the next player's turn. Play goes around and continues until there are no more cards in the deck. Score points based on treasure types collected and cards you collected that match your fur order and fin family. The winner is the player with the most points and becomes the cutest ruler of Catlantis. Oh, so cute. <laughs> well, we played this game live and in person, and boy, howdy, I had this box hanging around my house for like a year and a half before Jeez. we got to play it. Mm -hmm. Finally, yeah. what'd you guys think of the look? The cars are so shiny. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> they, they were shiny. They're not just a little bit shiny. They're like distractingly shiny. <laughs> yeah, this is foil cards practically. Yeah. They are foil cards, I think, yeah. Yeah, for our magic players out there, they're foily. 
<laughs> I mean, the foil was so foily <laughs> and the colors were so colory that a couple of them were too close together to discern. Like yes. the pink and purple, forget about it. Yeah. Yeah. And in this game, colors matter. Pink has to go with pink for the Finn family. You got to have pink fins. And I could not tell sometimes if I had the right color. Right. The shimmer on the card. If you tilt. Yeah. And the shimmer mm. on the card, when you turn it a certain way, it kind of like obscures the actual color that's underneath the foil. Well, you could also base it on the shape of the fin, too. Yeah. And Ed, you're right. The fin shape can help guide you as well. I wish you'd mm. mentioned that while we were playing. <laughs> <laughs> well, that would not have given him the advantage he had, Celeste had. He told you. <laughs> well, their fur family had a, a nice indicator, which they were holding a different object. Yeah, and Evan, what did you think of the look of the cats in this game? So the fur family is the top half. The top half are cats, yeah. the bottom half are just fins. <laughs> okay, to me it was a little weird. Yeah, <laughs> it's a little weird. And also, the the art style is kind of like a almost photorealistic. I mean, it, it, it's clearly photoshopped. <laughs> no, well, they found yes. real cat lanterns in the <laughs> Yeah, and the cats, they just told the cats to smile, and they smiled. They didn't stretch yeah. up their faces in Photoshop. No, not at all. <laughs> no, no, good not. <laughs> so, Evan, was this the Uncanny Valley? I, I suppose it was. Plus, there's also, if you think about it, I mean, cats love to eat fish. They love fish. <laughs> oh, no. What, wouldn't these cats be, like, chewing at their own tail the entire time? <laughs> All day. <laughs> so so my, my mind couldn't quite, quite put everything square. <laughs> I found it weird. You just, so you just pictured a bunch of self-cannibalistic cats under the water. <laughs> well, wouldn't they be? It's like having, ha you know, a half elephant, half peanut kind of thing. You know? I mean, how do you stop that from? Well, in any case. So, Mike, in this game, you have to offer choices of cards. First, let me let me try to bring everybody back to some of your childhoods here. Remember those books that had three different strips of paper, kind of, and that you'd flip them open? It they would be fashion books, like oh, she's wearing a yeah. dress with these fashion shoes. plates. Sure, yeah. fashion plates, yeah, like that kind of thing, or the book. But it reminded me of that, where you know the top half of the cat is like one kind, and then you <laughs> kind of mix and match. The cards are like that, where They'll have a matching bottom half or a matching top half, or some of the cards are a perfect match for your actual goal that you're trying to get to. Mm -hmm. um, but you got to pay attention to what people are offering because mm -hmm. they're going to probably offer something that they want and something that the person they're making the offering to wants. So they'll pick the other thing and you get to keep the one that they don't pick. Absolutely. Yep. One of those two cards, you know the person who pulled those cards, they want one of them. It's up to you to figure out which one to deny them. Mm -hmm. Right. And if you're lucky, you can also, another way to do it is offer them two, both of which will benefit you. So it doesn't right. matter what the other guy chooses. They each have half of a of an animal that you want. I like the scoring convention there. I like mm -hmm. that you score on both bottoms and tops separately. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the more, the better. Like it's, I think it's an increasing value as you go up in the chart. Yes, and you don't have to have like a, a set of three. You just, every single one counts as toward your score. And I kind of mm -hmm. like that. For a family-friendly right. game, I like that. Yes. Yeah. Aside from the cats in this game, there's also other types of offerings out there that you you get extra points for for having the most of in that category. You mean the treasures? Yes, the treasures. Trage. What is a magic kitty litter box or something and a laser? Yeah. And also, I like yeah. the the uh, the birdhouse on the water somehow. 
The underwater bird house. It must be yeah. a herring house. <laughs> the underwater kitty litter tray. I mean, that. <laughs> okay. It's a mystical kitty litter tray. Yeah. Talk about clumping. Yeah. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> it's magic. You don't worry about clumping. <laughs> I love the laser pointer, too. The underwater laser pointer. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, you, you know that's going to be popular. Now, another cool point is that you get to choose who you're making the offering to, and it's limited each round. You have to make one offering to each of the other players. And as you go, you kind of flip your gemstone of their color over so you know Mm -hmm. you've already made an offering to them. A nice way to keep track of everything. Yeah, a nice Mm -hmm. way to keep track and also a nice way to keep it balanced because this Mm -hmm. way, you know, you're not picking on one person all the time. You you have to give everybody an equal number of offerings. Correct. Which means everybody has an equal amount of cards at the end of the game to count. Yeah, that's nice because there are a lot of card games like this where you do get to pick who you're talking to and dealing with, Mm -hmm. and it can definitely go unbalanced. So you don't play the personality game that way there. But I suppose you do play a little bit to the personality. Or, (laughs) you know, like if I think that Mike knows what bottom half I'm going for or something, then Mm -hmm. I might not, if I'm choosing my bottom halves, I might not present them to Mike. I might present them to somebody else Evan or yeah. oh good point or if you, you know. have something really enticing for another player and something that you really want you can say oh Evan wants laser pointers so I'm going to offer a laser pointer and the card that I really want yeah because with the treasures it's not really a secret what you're going for it's sitting out there mm-hmm. it's sitting out there yep yep yeah, pattern does start to form of the cards on the table, though. Like, I look at Evan's pile and go, wow, he has a lot of pink bottom halves. He must be going Don't for look that. at my pile. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, at a certain point, it's a little too late to do anything about it, really. So, Ed, I know you think this is a deduction game. In what way? Well, you're trying to figure out which things are they're collecting. It's like, hmm, Evan has a lot of those little... Um, uh, guys with the scepter. So, yeah, no, no more uh, trident for you. Right, mm-hmm. except yeah. that I had so many bad cards that weren't at all <laughs> useful to me yeah. that I did notice that some people thought that I was collecting stuff I wasn't. Evan, which one would you like, Evan? Uh, you got the cool scepter? Yeah, I'll take scepter first. <laughs> you don't want, are you serious? Yeah, I'll take scepter first. <laughs> you don't want this? It's a match. <laughs> what do you think? That tells me something, Celeste. <laughs> tells you half of something, anyway. Yeah, <laughs> Yeah, it's mm. kind of a luck of the draw problem, you know, where you might draw two things that you don't need every single turn. Okay, explorers, it's time to dig up or bury Catlantis. Mike? I loved how shiny and cute the game was, but I don't see much replayability here. I'd play it with my friends, definitely, but for me, I have to bury it. Ed? I like cats, and this game is very clearly geared towards family-friendly fun. It even offers choices that can be meaningful and engaging. Mm-hmm. Catland is better than I expected it to be. I'd gladly play this again, but it's not <laughs> really something I'd be proud to have up in my collection. For that reason, I'm going to have to bury it. Evan? Catlantis is a light, family-friendly set collection game, and it's easy to learn. I like the mechanic of the offering and the element of deduction, as Ed explained. I think that's what keeps the game interesting. I don't have a problem. Dig it up. If you're into set collections uh, as a card player, you can definitely do worse than this game. Some interesting twists on conventions, especially if you like cats and shiny stuff. Dig it up. Hang on, Celeste. I got a first. A first here. First? 
Ed's uh, speech about why he would bury it actually changed my mind, and I'd like to change to dig it up. Whoa. <laughs> That's right. I know. We've never done that here before, but uh, it we was We have very... breaking news at which game first. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Mike. Mike digs it up. So Mike and I will play again. Mm-hmm. I'll play too. I'll play again too. I did third. That's right. No, you're not invited, Ed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. You're busy that night. <laughs> if you have thoughts about Catlantis, let us know. Follow us on your favorite social media to come and chat with us directly and see all of our hilarious pics and videos on YouTube and Instagram. Hey, everybody. Woof, we are tired. Mike, you exhausted? My, um, what is the joke? My arms are so, I just flew in. Whatever. I'm tired. Yes. <laughs> See, I can't even make a good joke. <laughs> we are fresh off of our board game design conference, and holy cow, it went better than we could have ever imagined. Oh, my mm-hmm. God. I was so I was panicked. Fun. I thought it was going to be a hot mess, and Ed just <laughs> no. MVP'd that tech, and the guests were awesome, so I was so pleasantly surprised holy cow the guests were good Uh, so Mm -hmm. much information that even i did not know i didn't i had no idea on some of this stuff some great info from every single presenter had something special didn't they oh yeah definitely absolutely that had something really special was really cool and man uh wow it's actually over i I can get out of the tech room now what (laughs) it was it was cool because each one of them even though they were just kind of a panel presentation with one person talking and a q a they all felt so different from each other and i and i really loved that now if it's over why are we talking about it to everybody Mm. out there in podcast land right now that's because you can now for a special price Purchase all the recordings and see them again, or for the first time, perhaps. Right. Even if you missed the conference, you didn't get to do the live Q&As, you didn't get to see it all in action, you can get all the recordings with all of the information. And boy, oh boy, it is good information for designers and enthusiasts all about board game from concept to market. Yep. And not only do you get to see the recordings, you'll also have access to our resources page on our uh, Discord room. So you can look up all the links that they talked about and different sites and all kinds of good stuff there. Conference was $29.95. You can get all the videos, 12 presentations. That's less than a dollar a video. For $9.95, you can go to the Board Game Design Conference website right now. You can also get a link right from the Which Game First website. And we just wrapped up Board Game Design Conference. Are we all going to take a break and rest now, Mike? Never. We never sleep. (laughs) (laughs) We're still buzzing from the BGDC, but it was fun. It was awesome, educational, but we can't rest. No, that's not what we do. Now we're going to be running the the Connecticut Festival of Indie Games. Accepting applications um, so you can show off your hot new board game creations, compete to be best in show, get feedback from the judges, from us, from other gamers, fellow designers, and maybe bring your game to the next level or bring home a cool award. Yep, it's going to be a seal, a gold seal you can use on your website, on your board game design, anywhere you want. You can bandy it about. You will be a fig winner if you compete and win, you get that seal. What is the Festival of Indie Games and who is it for? The Festival of Indie Games is for aspiring game designers who have a game to play test with people who can show it off and get people excited about their game. It only needs to be ready for playtest. It doesn't need to have a production value prototype mm-hmm. uh, or anything like that. Go to ConnecticutFig.com for your application today. 
Also, if you want to be an exhibitor, you have games to sell or something like that, or you want to sponsor the convention, you can get a booth there. And where are we running this fig? Live in Connecticut. We're running it at Connecticut. It is a huge convention center, and we are in the heart of the dealer room. We are going to be right where all the traffic is. Thousands and thousands of people will be exposed to seeing your game. And that's in Hartford, Connecticut. Yep. So if you're you're local or you feel like taking a travel, go right to the website, ConnecticutFIG.com, and you can apply to compete today. And we just wanted to give a quick shout out to... Our patrons, thank you so much for supporting us every week. If anybody out there wants to become a patron of this show, they are the people that allow us to continue to do this podcast. If you want to become a supporter of the show for just $3 a month, you can go to the website and click on Become a Supporter Today. And if you do, you get access to an exclusive podcast that we do exclusively for our patrons only. It is called Bonus points bonus points bonus points (laughs) that's how we intro the show every single week you get a new podcast uh from us that's private it's just for patrons only it runs 10 to 15 minutes and it's pretty much about any darn thing we please that's right (laughs) so if you want to hear our ramblings and some really wacky stuff go to the website and become a supporter today whichgamefirst.com thank you everybody thank Thank you thank you you. Our next game up this week is The Grand Carnival, designed by Rob Kramer, published by Uproarious Games in 2020. Number of players 1 to 4, ages 12 and up, playtime 45 to 60 minutes. Okay, Mikey, tell us what's in the box. <laughs> The cover of the box shows two extremely enthusiastic carnival barkers pulling back the red curtain and pointing excitedly to the big top. This carnival, and brace yourself, there's a lot of stuff here. (laughs) This carnival is stuffed with 10 of each tiny, small, medium, large attractions, as well as 12 giant attractions, four player boards, four double-sided reference cards, a round tracker with a tent meeple, 84 foundation tiles, 30 guest meeples, 32 action meeples, 8 carnival barker meeples, 60 ticket tokens, 14 tricks of the trade cards, and a carousel horse player one marker. And that's what's in the box. Well, before we tell you if everyone's a winner, Evan, don your skimmer hat, grab your bullhorn and baton, (laughs) and start hyping the rules. (laughs) In the grand carnival! (laughs) In the Grand Carnival, players compete to create the most impressive carnival this town has ever seen. (laughs) Plan your carnival's layout, build attractions, hire staff, and manage the crowds. Players start by prioritizing their move, assigning it a score of 1, the lowest and weakest set of options, to 5, the highest, offering the most choices. You can't assign the same number twice until the end of your fifth turn. Mm -hmm. Then a new round starts, and there are seven rounds in total in this game. Now, on your turn, you can do one of these things. You can place a foundation tile. You can build an attraction on top of a foundation tile. You can move a guest, and guests are the ones that collect tickets, which are worth victory points, of course. Now, don't forget the tricks of the trade cards. These allow for extra victory points, so try and unlock those as fast as you can. 
Players earn points from sets of the same size attractions, sets of each size of attraction, carnival barkers, guests that move all the way through your park, and of course the tickets they collect. The player with the most points wins and becomes Lord Barkerus the First, ruler of the Grand <laughs> Carnival. <laughs> Lord Barkerus the First. <laughs> well, how about the look of this game? First off, we did a live unboxing, and my arms are still tired because there's so many components <laughs> in this box. And you can see that, that was on fun. It. it was. And you can see that on Instagram. Uh, what did you think of the look of the game? It has a very classic cartoon look to it. I almost expected with the art it to be black and white, but it has a nice color to the theme. It is yeah. this very old, vintagey, Betty Boop eyelashes, Felix <laughs> the Cat expressions, mm -hmm. really old-fashioned, except these lush modern colors. You can hear in your head, hurry, hurry, step right up. <laughs> the color combination definitely popped, and I it set the mood for the game. I was excited about laying out this carnival of mine. And mm -hmm. a lot of that had to do with how interesting the art was and how interesting the components were. Holy mm -hmm. cow. There was like mega Tetris like shapes all over the place. So yeah. many different die cut wooden pieces on here. Every team, every player gets their own like unique set. This offers a, a mix of different gameplay uh, actions in there. I mean, the action selection. You got that spatial puzzle that Mike hit on and a set collection element because you got to, you know, build sets of things to get points. Plus, there's kind of a movement element on the board. You have to not only, with the spatial puzzle, you not only have to build the attractions, but you have to leave enough room for people to walk around between them and pay for them. Which is very different from your typical, you no know, Tetris puzzle game. Usually, you're just trying to fit everything in and fill in every square. Because if you do this, there's no room for any guests to walk about and pay for the ticket. <laughs> That's right. You can't shut them off. Oh, I mean, I ended up stuck so many times in them. Like, oh, I'm going to send these guys around a hook. It's going to take them five extra steps to get to where I want them to go. <laughs> yep. That's a big deal, too. Five <laughs> extra steps is a lot of space in this game. It's a ton of time. Mm -hmm. It was kind of funny. You'd almost think that that's what you want to do. You want to make your get meander through this long thing to see everything. But, uh, but there's a little bit of a time element in this game. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yep. There's certain tricks to the trade you can trigger by having certain events happen. And usually if you bring your guests in to a certain level, you can you know, trigger some of those special abilities. Plus, you want to have as many people in the big top as possible by the end of the game. Good bonus points! That's right. <laughs> yep. But you also want them to stop at all the attractions on the way, too, because that's how you get tickets and you get points yeah. for having tickets on those, those attractions. That's right. You got to get 15 of those tickets because that triggers points. But if you get 14 or less, no points. Mm -hmm. And there's one thing oh. we, could, we couldn't figure out about the tickets, right, Evan? Yeah, well, we ran out of tickets, so someone <laughs> apparently can snatch all the tickets and deny the other players the opportunity to get that to that level 15. Yeah. If tickets are actually limited to the amount of physical tickets that come with the game. Yeah, which was not explicitly stated in the rules. Right. I found it interesting because there are 60 tickets and four players who each need 15 of them, so there's a balance there. But if you only have two players, it doesn't say to remove any tickets from the game or anything like that. It doesn't. So, so it seems like with a four-player game, there's, like, there's exactly 15 per player, which... Hmm? 
Well, it just means that maybe in the four-player game, it's a better strategy to concentrate on other goals rather mm-hmm. than the tickets. Right, if that's what they intended, yeah. So, we're actually counting tickets to see if we actually had 60 or not. <laughs> yeah, right. We never did find that 60th ticket, no, did we? we did. No, yeah, we had 59, 59 tickets. <laughs> <laughs> did your dog eat it, Evan? No, my dogs don't eat those things, but maybe it's stuck to the bottom of a shoe or something. Yeah, it, I don't It could know. have been still in the punch board, too, and we just missed punching one. The tickets were pretty small, I give, I give you that. They were cute, yeah. but small. Are there too many choices in this game? Too many goals? I mean, for me, no. <laughs> <laughs> he thrives on less, uh, on more choices. Yeah, yeah. For me, I like the the push pull of trying to optimize your like your action efficiency, or also like there's so many goals to achieve in this game, you can't do it all, and no. that allows you to mm. that requires that you pick your battles. Yeah, that burns I, me. <laughs> I, I want to do it all. Ed's strategy was ridiculously efficient too. Like I almost felt like this carnival was more like a jail sentence for these people because he set it up so all his attractions just had a straight line walk between two attractions yeah. oh my directly God. to the big top. You pulled the he perfect was, foundation card. It's so perfect. <laughs> like so per- like these perfect rows. I'm like, you're kidding me. Yeah, it didn't look fun to me. I wanted my people meandering all over the place. No, know. it it didn't look fun. It looked like a wind. Um, I planned my area out very well, so I won't need to cheat. I will have my guys cut through the alley. Right. Now, now, nobody will ever get to whatever now, attraction I built here. I still have one guy to play. Extra, extra, read all about it. Yeah, it did look like a victory, yeah. <laughs> it's those foundation tiles. They, they dictate, really, how mm-hmm. your carnival is going to be laid out. And unless mm-hmm. you get the perfect ones... For your design, you're going to have to find yourself making compromises left and right here. Yep. Well, I mean, don't you want to give Ed a little more credit than that? I mean, wasn't it no. about... <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I think he planned a little bit better from the beginning. Oh, uh, he definitely planned that out. For me, I was also, you know how I'm a, kind of a slave to efficiency. And the way that the tiles work is that they have a certain amount of hammers in a certain shape. And it's divided into four spaces. So it could have one, two, three, or four hammers in any kind of layout. Um, but at the end of the game, if you have any hammers left over that aren't covered by some attraction, you get negative points for that. Um, also mm. the board itself starts off with one big hammer in each square. So that four, yeah. that four square hammer, if you put four hammers in there, it's four negative points. If you don't fill it instead of just the one <laughs> that's in the empty space on the board. So you're starting with negative points. You're starting you're the saying, whole Mike. board of negative points. <laughs> <laughs> Man. So yeah, Brutal. I was the whole game just trying to not have negatives. <laughs> Mike was itching the whole time. I was. <laughs> uh, there's no way to avoid it. You can't fill every space. There's just no way, no time in the game to do it. The only piece of this game that I didn't think looked the best it could was the player boards. It's just a series of 16 hammers on mm-hmm. a square grid. And it <laughs> yeah. wasn't very attractive. It's basic. I, I almost would have liked it if it was just blank instead of these hammers. Mm. So, yeah, that was the only thing. And the big top could have been a little bit bigger at the top of the board because that's where you're trying to get all your people. (laughs) Good point, Celeste. I agree with that. Yeah. And when you're trying to score these points, too, it's like one of the ways to get a lot of points is having same-sized attractions. Mm -hmm. Like three Mm -hmm. fours was worth a certain amount of points. Three fives, you know, or four Mm -hmm. fives. Um, But uh, I didn't understand why that had value. To have, I, I would think you'd want more variety. There is a scoring for variety, but I didn't understand the reason for having multiple same-sized attractions on the board being a, 
a valuable score. As a method of trying to monopolize one aspect of the scoring and perhaps right. blocking others mm-hmm. from getting it. Yeah, it allows you to get like a, a monopoly on a certain type of attraction because I think each size represents a different type of attraction. And I was going for all of the same size of almost the biggest attraction on the board. And it's hard. Yes, to, you were. I'm trying to get epic over here. <laughs> but it's hard to get all of them, you know, because you can see oh, yeah, what each is. player can and, do. And it rewards you with big Very. points. Like a big set of the large one gets you a lot of points. Oh, yeah. That's where all my points came from. Just that one thing that I was going for. <laughs> That's why I did not win. And Celeste came with a score pad. So yay, score yeah, pads. Yeah, it was very yay. cool. It was a beautiful score pad and I think really appropriate for this game. It just felt and looked so rich and lush. And I want to say the attractions, they were these little Tetris shapes, but they were really interesting to look at. They had a picture on each one of them, like the fun house. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was shaped like <laughs> yeah. a fun house, that particular one. And it had giant clowns on the heads at the top of the mm-hmm. fun house. And it said fun house. You walked in through the clown mouth. Yeah, very good artwork. Or they had a tightrope walker where it was just a long straight piece with a person walking across a tightrope. I love the replayability in this game with the random tricks of the trade. They're going to come out with a couple each game and they give you a special power that you can unlock. So if you make the achievement, like the first to get a couple of guests into the halfway point, you get to unlock a cool ability. And if no one else does it in the same turn around the turn that you did it, Mm. nope. Only those people who see that in that round get that trick. And the trick could be useful. Something like, I get to move my guest diagonally now. Yeah. What? Yeah. yeah those or tricks they- are huge, <laughs> actually, if you don't get yeah. it. They were so good. I'm going there. That activates oh, the diagonal crumbs. move. Okay. So now in everybody's next turn, they have to get somebody to the third, third, row. third row. Well, how yeah, am I going to do here, that with right? just a one? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. But I want to say this. I was <laughs> distracted by getting trying to get those tricks and they weren't as good as I had hoped. Mm-hmm. Meaning it just like I was so seduced by the concept <laughs> of the tricks that were being offered that I, to the detriment of other planning, went straight for those tricks and tried yeah. to achieve them. And then it's like, okay, great. Now you've got it, but you basically blew all your resources getting it. You can't use it. <laughs> or your layout yeah. look, you know, is right. untenable. Or <laughs> Yeah, if you're planning for the tricks, you should also focus on the tricks you're going to get and plan your board out to maximize the use of those tricks. Because sometimes getting things at a diagonal, if, if with Ed's layout, it wouldn't have meant anything. And I think that's the, the cool trick to the game. <laughs> yeah. that you can try to use your trick and try to plan out a way to like, I'm going to get that trick. And then this is how I'm going to use it to win. Mm-hmm. Oh, I want to say one more thing about the pieces too, that I really appreciated as a, for the spatial puzzle is that it didn't have as much of a robo rally syndrome as it could have because the pieces were reversible. If you have an L shape, it's not just a left L. You can flip it over to a right yes. L and flip it upside yes. down. Mm. So that helped yeah. a lot. <laughs> yep. It was very flexible in that way. More than my city. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yes. Right. Mm-hmm. Or Bear Park. Laying the theme on top of this particular Tetris game was really good and engaging. And it definitely informed play. Okay, explorers, it's time to dig up or bury the Grand Carnival. Ed? The Grand Carnival offers a nice-looking game with a nice variety and path to victory to take to earn them victory points. <laughs> I really enjoyed trying to solve the spatial and efficiency puzzle. 
So I'll dig this up for another trip to the big tent. Evan? The Grand Carnival was a lot of fun. Combined spatial reasoning with risk-reward assessment and plenty of paths to victory, replayability is big. So yeah, I'll visit the Grand Carnival again soon. Dig it up. Mike? There's a ton of different strategies to try here, and I know I'll want to test them all out, so I have to dig it up. This theme grabbed me right in. The art and the components were big on charm, and designing the park was thoroughly engaging. Dig it up. If you have thoughts about the Grand Carnival, come and talk to us. Follow us on your favorite social media to chat with us directly and see all of our hilarious pics and videos on Instagram and YouTube. Our last game up this week is cross-country jet race game. (laughs) (laughs) No designer. Published by Warren Built Right Games. Complete misnomer. Established in uh, 1950. Oh, we're estimating that this game was produced in 1950. Okay. Number of players, two to four. Ages six to 12. No playtime listed. Okay, Mikey. Six to twelve. Tell us what's in uh, this box. The cover of the box shows four jets um, racing across a blue sky. <laughs> Inside, you'll find a board, a spinner, and four jet tokens on a punch board. And that's it. That's what's in the box. Are you sure it's not and board and and spinner? And board we'll and get, spinner and we'll get to that of, in a minute. <laughs> Mike, that you sure you, you like put the box upside down and tapped it to make sure nothing. Yeah, I shook that's it. All I that's actually in there. Pe- I peeled the back paper off to make sure there wasn't another like. Okay. Yeah, no, it's that's it. Well, they didn't even bother with uh, no, a sheet of paper for the instructions either. Since hold that up, was, hold up, hold up, hold up. Before we go off into yes. the wild blue yonder yes. here, <laughs> yeah, Evan, man. give us a flight plan. In jet race, the instructions are. Well, just read the game board. They're printed on there. <laughs> yeah, on the board. And here's what they say. All right, I'm going to condense this for you. Here's what here's what they say. One player may operate the spinner or you can pass it around. Doesn't matter. Oh my god. Each spin results in a player moving one or two spaces. But be careful. <laughs> you might end your turn on a space that reads like lost in the mountains or lost over Canada, forcing you to go backwards, Mike. <sighs> now once you're plane finally makes it across the continent to the Atlantic Ocean, it must go around in a holding pattern and then re-enter its track to get back to where it started from. <laughs> now, the first who successfully returns home is considered is considered the winner of Jet Race. But really, are there any winners in this game? Ah, spoiler that's, alert. That's what we are going to explore right now. Yes. Okay, let me just start with the cover. Are Is this... The jets that are on this cover, is this like just two different art styles? Yeah. Like whatever piece of stock art they had lying around the office, they just slapped onto the cover of this game. Yeah, that's an insult to stock art. Yeah, really? Because two of the jets are like pen and ink with block coloring, and two Mm. of them are like... Pencil. Shade coloring. Shading. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Totally flat and then totally attempt at 3D. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, they don't even represent all the three colors of jets that are in the game. They have red, yellow, and multicolored jets. <laughs> yeah. Both red they're, and they're, yellow. They're metal. Yeah. Yeah. No blue. Yeah. 
Okay. Can I just say the name of the company is called Built Right Games. And if anything was built wrong, it was this game. The center (laughs) eyelet in the spinner is off center by a a good half an inch. Yeah, we have a picture. Oh, my gosh. Where you could see the points where the center is completely outside of where the grommet hole is for the spinner to go into it's so it's so off because because oh. you can see that that the edge the co- where the color ends or the background of the spinner it goes to plate plain white so that's the amount of the margin that this cutter and this hole punch were totally off when making this particular <laughs> yes. one. Yeah. there is a white margin on one side of the spinner <laughs> one side <laughs> and no, nothing on the other yeah. quality control zero and that means the printing was off by that quarter of inch or whatever. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. That's exactly what happened. Built yeah. right. The planes were off center on their own punch outs. Oh, yeah. Practically hugging the edge of the cutout. And mm-hmm. what's inside of there is four silhouettes of different, supposedly different kind of jets. But one looks like a shark. One looks like yeah. it's from the game Asteroids. One looks like a <laughs> missile. And one looks like one of those balsa wood wind up planes. They don't look yeah. like jets. No, no not we, at all. We had we had the pleasure pleasure of actually punching these jets out, which means we bought this game. It was used, but never played. Yeah, clearly because yeah. the jets were still in, in in the punch mode. Okay, fine. And I got a note from the person I bought this from, <clears throat> and the note basically I don't have it in front of me, but it basically said. Have fun playing this game. And it put the word playing in quotation marks. (laughs) Now, I don't know if they were alluding to the fact that, oh, I'm buying this as just a collector piece because it might be some rare thing. Or playing this game because this game is probably impossible to really play. (laughs) You don't really play this game. Or maybe it's because they didn't send us the arrow that actually... Go, connects to the spinner on ah, there. That's true. The actual <laughs> dial missing. <laughs> so it could. You're right, Mike. That's the third choice. Yeah. It's like a joke on us. Ha 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 I almost wonder if the game was manufactured without the needle in the spinner. Like, oh, <laughs> yeah. If it wasn't punched, right? Nobody ever punched it. So right. why would the spinner be broken? Makes no sense. That's a good question. It could have been lost. I mean. It- yeah. The box clearly saw use. It wasn't a brand new the box to shrink. Well, if so. by use you mean sat in somebody's attic for like two decades, maybe. Well, yeah, this thing's been rattling around wherever dumbed for 70 years, basically, <laughs> waiting <laughs> to be punched and played. So <laughs> in that time, sure, yeah, the, the inside pieces will look pretty good, you know, but the outside will take a beating. Okay, how about the playboard? A map of America. Is this oh. the finest map you've ever seen of America? Oh, it's like oh, the scale. Yeah. It named all the important places like Boise, Little Rock, <laughs> <laughs> and all of, and they just look like they have some kind of weird tower there, I guess. Yeah, the I same know. tower yeah. everywhere. Yeah. The exact yeah. same those, tower, the exact same. Are those same. oil well derricks? What yeah, are those? I thought yes. they were oil well derricks because that's what they look yeah, like to me. They do. I think they're supposed to be airport towers, but yeah, they look yeah, like oil derricks. Yeah, traffic control. Two... Blue. Yeah, that's right. Keep flying ahead, blue. That's my super Vroom. color. It blew you away. We just passed St. Paul. You're Are these green. supposed to be air traffic towers? Is that what that is? I don't even know. Because it looks a little like an oil. An oil derrick. Gilhova says maybe we can get Victoria Kanye because she ran the campaign for our Gladius. Tell Gil. Don't interrupt us while we're playing <laughs> Jet Race, okay? Okay, now let's actually talk about the play of this game. Oh, man. 
man. What do you do? Ed, what do you, you do? You spin the spinner and then move the you, the plane that the spinner tells you to move, the number of spaces it tells you to move. Which is either one or two. It doesn't matter who spins the spinner. Mm-hmm. And, um, and <laughs> yeah, there, there's not a choice to be found in the game other than uh, playing the game in the first place. Oh, yeah. <laughs> So this game is worse than All Aboard, which we reviewed last week, which felt like you were on rails. But this one is worse because you don't even move your own piece. You just move whatever piece comes up on the spinner. That's right. Mm -hmm. It's mathematically possible that your piece that you've banked on never moves once. (laughs) You could spin yellow, 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 yellow 10 times in a row and nobody will ever even move. I mean, if you think about it, this is a very sophisticated AI game. <laughs> if you think about it. Also, it has an amazing solo mode because you never have to worry about other players <laughs> That's making right. decisions. You could program mm-hmm. this into a computer. That computer could play this game in a heartbeat and for you, no yeah. problem. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Evan, did the rules say that anyone could roll the spinner? Like, you didn't even have to take turns spinning the spinner, right? Nope. That's right. You can assign someone... One person to do all the spinning. <laughs> and all the and, moving. And frankly, all the moving. Yeah. So potentially we could just sit and watch. Yep. Oh, yeah. You're basically rooting for your, your, your little plane and hoping that your little plane makes it to the th- finish line first. Yay! Oh, yeah. I called yeah. Evan and he played for me like 10 times. How many times did I win, Evan? Look, do we have to confess that we didn't even complete one full <laughs> game of this? Because, ooh, <laughs> because, because we got Felt it. done to me. I mean, really, the second turn, it was over for me. (laughs) That was about it. Well, we played more than two spins with, but yeah. We did? Yes. It's almost like you'd be better off just betting on this thing. It's super random, though. Yeah. You hit these spaces on the track in which it says, uh, you get lost, go back one space. Okay, so you're stuck there, and half of your choice is, so you're limited to only one of the eight positions on the spinner that will get you past that space at that point. Oh, yeah. You have a 12% chance of advancing, basically, Yep. if you hit one of these spaces. You're stuck. <laughs> the game sticks you. This game could take three hours to play, potentially, <laughs> to make one full game. It oh, could. Yeah. Two yellow. Now we... We've got to go around. So yeah. you go around your holding pattern. One, two. And oh. there's a space on this in which you go back to the beginning. No, there's not. Over. I like the way you said it. Go ahead, four spaces. Blue's catching up. What happens if the plane, can the planes occupy the same space? We need a rules interpretation on this. <laughs> Evan, does it say you have to, does everybody have to finish? Uh, no. Thank you. It does not say that. Okay. No. Mercifully, can I suppose. Can somebody explain why, though, we're racing at different points across the left, like, you know, the, the west coast of the United States to over the ocean and in a circle and back to our own spot, which which our starting spot says start finish. Mike, I can <laughs> sum it up for you in two words. Uh-huh. Jet race. <laughs> you just have to say it right. Jet yeah. race. Jet race. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of amazing how this game, the jet race game, now sounds like it should be a fast game. It's slow, <laughs> uh, it's nailed. Tedious. That's an excellent point. It's yeah. jet crawl. You're in a jet, right? So why are you getting lost in the mountains? <laughs> Can't you just fly over them? I mean, you're in a jet. Yeah, you're not in a chopper. 
Yeah. Well, I don't know, Mike. Let's look it up on Board Game Geek for the <laughs> FAQs. Oh, wait. This game doesn't even exist on Board Game Geek. What does that tell you? Yeah. No mm-hmm. designer. No presence on Board Game Geek. This game is a ghost. Don't confuse it with the Jet Race game that is on Board Game Geek. It's <laughs> also made by Built Right. <laughs> yeah, we don't quite understand that. They couldn't even come up with a new name. And the cover <laughs> says, an transcontinental race game. They don't even care to check the grammar. And And a transcontinental transcontinental race game. That's on the cover (laughs) of the box. Yeah. Yeah, they put this out as fast as possible. uh, The margin is so bad on the top of the game board that the playing (laughs) instructions title, where it says play instructions, is outside of the play instruction box. That's right. (laughs) That's right. Look at that. Built wrong. Look at that. It's like this. Built wrong. Yeah. Gosh. <laughs> it is time to dig up or bury cross-country jet race game. Evan? Cross-country jet race game. This is the kind of game they would give away if you sent 20 proof of purchases of a kid's <laughs> breakfast cereal. I mean, seriously, it's produced and designed by a paper company. Mm-hmm. And this this game company is owned by the Warren Paper Products Company, if you didn't pay close enough attention. Mm-hmm. So the only correct way to, to play this is not to play it at all, but bury it, and that's too kind. <gasps> Ed? No choices, no fun. It crashes <laughs> on the runway, bury it. <laughs> Mike? <laughs> I didn't even feel like I played this game the first time around, so there will be no second time. Yeah, no. Call it was shoddy. Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was so uh, excited to bury oh, I it. I almost <laughs> ran right over you. you jumped the Don't barrier. worry, Celeste. I'm almost there. I was going to say <laughs> it was shoddy and pointless. A true crash and burn. Bury it. <laughs> yeah. Call the air marshal and get this game permanently grounded. <laughs> bury it. Uh, if you have thoughts about cross-country jet race game <laughs> let us know we would love to hear from you questions Follow like us. why <laughs> hey, don't confuse it with king kong game no. <laughs> oh you have to have choices in that one it's true yeah. follow us on your favorite social media to chat with us directly and see all of our hilarious pics and videos on mm. youtube and instagram and that brings us to the end of our show we look forward to hearing about all the game exploring you're doing come and talk to us on social media if you'd like more perks and content from our show including our exclusive podcast for patrons only bonus points points just go to our website and click on become a supporter today. Join our chat on our Discord server and we are at which game first. Happy gaming explorers. I'm a jet racer. Oh no, look out, it's Canada. I didn't know I needed a Murcat until now. <laughs> <laughs> Off we go into the wild blue.